it was a hard transition, but my mentors through internship, through practicum, and even my child life specialist that I grew up with has been a really, really big help in that and a really big, no, Caitlin, stand your ground. No, Caitlin, you're doing it right. You're prioritizing the right things. So having them and their support has been amazing. Welcome to the Child Life Wildlife Podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the honest ins and outs and vulnerable truths about the child life profession with your host, Jessica Lewin. Come and gain tangible next steps and confidence as you learn how to use your child life skills, protect your mental health, and glean inspiration, hope, and ideas from fellow certified child life specialists, students, and professionals. And now, here's your host, Jessica Lewin. Hello, and welcome to the Child Life Wildlife Podcast. Today, I have Caitlin Morton on the show to talk about her experience as a one-person program. We also got talking about a couple other things, one being her experience as somebody living with a chronic condition and having a past experience with a child life specialist and how that impacted her journey through child life. We also talked about skills and abilities that are important to have when you start a one-person program. And even though this is a short episode, it is jam-packed with a lot of great information. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Caitlin Morton about being a one-person child life specialist. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for being on the Child Life Wildlife Podcast. Hi, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Before we get into this conversation on how you have operated as a one-person program, I would love for you to tell me a little bit about you. So how long you've been a child life specialist, fun facts, or anything that you'd like for me and my listeners to know. I have been a child life specialist a little under three years. I've had child life in my life since I was about seven years old. So that's kind of what brought me into the world of child life and the craziness that it brings. Yeah. I live in Southern California with my husband and our cat named <laughs> Zeus. On my off days, you can see me going to coffee shops and walking and just taking care of myself, filling my cup back up. That's awesome. What a great way to prioritize your mental <laughs> health. Love it. So tell me a little bit about what your practicum and internship experiences were like and how do you feel like those impacted your future as a child life specialist? Well, knowing what I knew at seven years old about child life is a lot different than what I know now. (laughs) And my practicum and internship really taught me how to prioritize the two Mm -hmm. and kind of make the two one, but without blurring the lines a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that was the biggest thing that my practicum and internship worked on. Um, Because of my past experiences with child life, Mm -hmm. um, I had to work really hard at making my experiences my experiences and my patients' experiences my patients' experiences Mm -hmm. and not blurring the two lines together. So I would have to say that was the biggest thing that they taught me. My practicum site and my internship site were a lot different. Um, And the fact that my practicum site was a smaller group of girls that I got to learn from and my internship site was a big, huge department that Mm. I got to learn from. And I kind of got to see where I would fit in in that. And I think because I am a one person program now, (laughs) the smaller program 
is where I fit in. I feel like I make more of an impact in the smaller program. Without going into too much detail, if you're not comfortable, could you elaborate a little bit more about what that was like having child life and then understanding the difference? I mean, just because you talked about how impactful that was in your practicum and internship to learn how to not blur those lines. What was that like? It was very hard at first Mm -hmm. uh, because all I knew was my experiences and what my past child life specialists that I worked mm-hmm. with brought me, what I had to learn and relearn almost mm-hmm. is what is child life to patient A? What is child life to patient B? What mm-hmm. is child life to patient C? And not what is child life to Caitlin? Yeah. Um, and so it, I worked really, really hard. And those lines that weren't so blurred by Mm -hmm. the end of my practicum and internship experience. And I really was able to answer, okay, what does patient A need from me? Patient A doesn't need to hear about how my child life specialist helped me growing up. Mm -hmm. Patient A needs me to prepare her for surgery. Right. Because that is what's going on with her in this moment. Was that something that you went, I'm asking a lot of questions about this, just because I know that there's a lot of child life specialists who have chronic conditions or things like that to Definitely. where they, they also understand what you're talking about. But was this something that was brought to your attention or what were you like, I'm going into this and I'm telling my supervisors, this is something that I for sure want to work on? A little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I, I knew because of how in depth of an experience I had with my child life specialist that mm-hmm. I needed to bring it to the forefront and let my supervisors know that I needed help unblurring mm-hmm. the lines a little bit. And so I was very straightforward and in saying what my experiences were and saying, please help me, call me out if needed mm-hmm. when, when I need to be called out. And they did a really good job of doing that. Yeah, that took us right off track, but I appreciate it because I think it was a, it was a well thought out conversation of something that I think a lot of people can resonate with. No, I think that the child life specialists that have chronic conditions or the past child life experience without being a specialist mm-hmm. um, is a topic that isn't talked about a lot, mm-hmm. but it's very prevalent and mm-hmm. there are a lot of us. So yeah. I think it's a conversation worth having. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Moving into your current job, you touched a little bit and we've talked a little bit about you being a one-person program. Besides the fact that you understood a little bit of like the difference between a big department and the smaller department that you were working with, did you ever foresee yourself pursuing a one-person program? That's a really, no. Uh, (laughs) The right answer is no. What brought me to my current position and what keeps me there is my husband, is a Navy veteran Mm. and was stationed down here. And one thing that we promised each other through dating and through engagement and stuff like that was I worked so hard to become a child life specialist and he worked so hard for his career that we would not let the two kind of one career take over another. And so I compromised and I found child life where he was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's what first brought me to my the site that I'm at now. But what keeps me there is the staff. Mm. I have an amazing staff that support me in being a one person program and really understand that I might not be able to prioritize what they want to prioritize, but that I need to prioritize everything. Yeah. Was this a position that you had to advocate for or were they looking for a child life specialist position? That's a good question. Um, 
So I'm a little different in the fact that I'm a contractor. Oh, okay. So I am not even um, a staff member at this institution. They brought me in as a um, contractor because that's what the funding of the institution can handle. Okay. Um, so they were looking for a child eye specialist, and I actually had to become an independent contractor for this position. And that's how motivated I was to stay close to my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it okay. was hard because I this is my first job out of graduation. So I took on a lot <laughs> as a first year job. Yeah. That's very intimidating. Okay, unpack. We need to unpack a lot of things here. So what is an independent contractor? And okay. what does your what does your position look like then? Are you being only brought in for certain referrals or yeah, just let's unpack a lot yeah. of things. <laughs> <laughs> so an independent contractor is a self-employed person who owns their own business. So I own my own child life business. Mm-hmm. And through that, I am contracted into the hospital. So the contract that I have with them states that I am there 40 hours a week. So it is a full-time contract position, yeah. <laughs> which makes it very unique. So it's not, it's a contract where I cannot go out and do other child life services at other institutions, Sure, but I am there 40 hours a week. Interesting. And does that give you <laughs> an office? Yeah. So one of the really nice things I mentioned about the staff is they treat me as I am one of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, they call me a staff member. They introduce mm-hmm. me as a staff member. I have my own office. I have my own child life storage. I have mm-hmm. my own playroom. And so I do not feel like an independent contractor when I'm at my job, Yeah, which is one of the reasons why I keep, keep going back. And what does it take to become an independent contractor? <laughs> um, so I had to make my business, which is a whole thing in itself. Uh (laughs) I had to create my child life business. And then I have to pay taxes out of my paycheck. Mm. So basically, I am not getting taxed for my paycheck. So I have to do that myself. Yeah. Okay. Did you end up getting like an LLC or what? So I have a family member actually who does it for a living. That's (laughs) nice. (laughs) Yes. And so he is a state agent. I think that's the job title that he is. And um, he made me explain kind of what I would be doing under my LLC. Mm -hmm. And he was like, this is the company that you want. And he basically what you do is you file with the secretary of your state. And then you have a business created. (laughs) So interesting. It's it's a very, I learned a lot and I keep learning lots within having an LLC. I think that it's made me grow as an adult almost mm-hmm. of having to learn how to do my own taxes and take taxes out of my own paycheck and things like that. Yeah, that is super unique. My my husband is a therapist, so he operates as well as like a self-employed, even though he's a part of a private practice. So I totally understand the taxes (laughs) and the quarterly estimates and not, you get a beautiful paycheck, but you're like, I have to give a lot of this away. (laughs) A lot of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was the, I think that was the biggest learning curve outside of being a first year child life student was that first year of being an LLC. Do you have supervision of any kind as a one person program? And who do you go to to talk about ideas or struggles or patient experiences? What does that look like? So for patient experience, my staff, I I just keep Mm -hmm. going back to the staff that I work with. The staff that I work with is very good at including me in debriefs in anything and everything that has to do with patient experience. And so I feel like I can lean on them almost in that regard of, hey, I had a rough day. Today was a rough day. Can I talk to you about it? And my husband not being in the medical field, I I don't want to take it home and talk to him because Mm -hmm. he doesn't understand the whole medical field and how that works. So I feel very lucky in the fact that even though they're not a child life specialist, but they are doctors, they are nurses, they are respiratory therapists that really understand having to say goodbye to a patient that they've known for months or things like that. Mm-hmm. So what does the like what does your home base look like? When you talk about your staff, is it the pediatric unit or what how big is that whatever unit you're on? Good question. Uh so I will be referred to any and every unit, but my home base is the pediatric intensive care unit and the peds unit. So both staff, that's the staff that I mostly interact with. How big are those units? The peds unit, we're working on building a new unit actually. So right now we're only eight beds, but the new unit will be 15 beds. And then the PICU is actually a very small PICU. It's only Mm -hmm. an eight bed PICU. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a perfect size children's hospital area to have one child life specialist, like a perfect place to grow yes. and learn. It, yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience. That's for sure. I've mm-hmm. learned a lot from being the only one, but not also that, but having interdisciplinary team um, yeah. because that's who I lean on. So being a one person program obviously requires a lot of skills as it's only you available to staff, patients, families. What skills do you think are important in order to be successful as a one-person program? <laughs> I think that the number one skill is time management. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have grown in my time management skills. But I think also hand-in-hand hand with time management goes prioritization. Mm-hmm. And being able to prioritize one thing over the other So I am in charge of doing patient care, but I'm also in charge of donations and I'm also in charge of the playroom and I'm also in charge of the playground. (laughs) So I have a lot of balls juggling all at once during my Mm workday. And I think those two are the hands down, the number two that you have to do. But you also have to have, I don't want to say faith in your judgment, but also being a one person program, nurses and doctors might have bigger prioritization Mm -hmm. over what you feel is your prioritization. So I think another one would be communication with your doctors and nurses or whatever staff you're working with at the time and saying, this is why I'm prioritizing this patient over doing this. And I will get there as soon as I can. So I think having those three coupled together Mm -hmm. is a recipe for good things to happen. I like that you just said it kind of having faith in your decisions, because I think Mm -hmm. especially the fact that you started as a one person program, your first job, that can be really easy for that one to get like 
swindled out from underneath you, you know, to where you're like, well, I mean, I don't know, you're the doctor, so maybe you do know better, <laughs> you know, and so you don't have anybody else to talk to about that. Yeah, it was, um, it was a hard transition. But my mentors through internship through practicum, and even my child life specialist that I grew up with has been a really, really big help in that and a really big no, Caitlin, stand your ground. No, Caitlin, yeah. you're doing it right. You're prioritizing the right things. So having them and their support has been amazing. Yeah. So you do still keep in touch with child life specialists outside of your building that you can go to for support. Yes, definitely. Um, awesome. It's not every day or every, we don't have a set time, Yeah. but I definitely know that I can call them on a random Tuesday and they will answer and say, Hi, what's up? So, oh, that's awesome. Do you ever take yeah. advantage of that or do you ever need to take advantage of that even on the job or do you wait until you're home? I think that I reach out on the job when I am doing transfers to mm. a lot of the places or jobby things, I guess I could say. Yeah. And then I wait for the debriefs almost in, in private because mm -hmm. some of the debriefs are harder than others. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. Let's close with the couple questions that I ask everybody. So if someone's listening today and they are really resonating with what you're saying about starting a one-person program, what's one tangible action step that they could take to get them on the right path? I think that if you are looking to start a one-person program, I think seeing where the needs are is your mm -hmm. first step. I didn't start this program, but I am trying to get something going at this facility that I can almost leave a legacy. Mm -hmm. And so I would say my number one thing is documenting everything. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing right now is I am documenting my whole day. I spent an hour doing this preparation. I spent an hour doing this procedural support. I did an hour with this playroom session. Um, and really sending in how much I am doing for this facility that I'm working at and letting them know, know that I'm not just sitting at my office desk. I'm not right. just hiding in the playroom. So I think that is the biggest thing is showing that there is a need. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of students that follow along and listen to this podcast. What is one thing that you'd say to them as a tip for moving through this profession? That it, the hard work is worth it. Mm -hmm. And to keep pushing. It's it's a hard profession to get in. And I think that's a, another child life topic that's not talked about a whole lot is mm -hmm. that how hard we do work to become certified and get into a hospital and get into the profession we've worked sometimes years to get into. Mm -hmm. um, but it is worth it. And just to keep pushing. If child life is really what you want to do, and you know that deep down in your heart, then just keep pushing. And the last question I have is, if child life is a wildlife, what has been the wildest part of your experience so far? The change that has come. I think back and I think about the baby child life specialist that I was mm -hmm. and the child life specialist that I am now. And I'm a lot more confident in my skill set, in my assessment skills, in my providing support in all of what I do. I feel a lot more confident. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, for being on the podcast and sharing with us your experience as a one-person program. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you.